Hello, I'm Wang Yin with News China. Welcome to this week's News China podcast. Today, we will talk about historical pandemic that once decided the fate of two dynasties in China. The coronavirus is changing people's lives and economic and political landscapes across the world. Lockdown within and between borders prohibit gatherings of families and friends. People's lives and jobs are at risk. Anti-globalization sentiments are gaining momentum. The global economy is still in a fragile state from the global crisis. COVID-19 is not the first pandemic that has impacted human society. In the mid-14th century, the Black Plague in Europe affected the continent's evolution of politics and religion. In the 17th century, a pandemic outbreak in China impacted the rise and fall of its final two dynasties, the Ming and Qing. And during the process, European missionaries had a tremendous influence. Typically, a Chinese dynasty ended with farmer and warlord uprisings. Then the new dynasty would rise from the ashes. This is also known as the dynastic cycle. However, the demise of the Ming dynasty in mid-17th century remains a myth for historians. Despite its bad governance, the Ming dynasty had an overwhelming advantage over its challengers militarily, institutionally, culturally, and in talent. Its last emperor, Chongzhen, worked very hard and was better than his predecessor. One theory involves climate change. The world experienced a mini ice age from the early 14th century to the mid-19th century. Subtropical southern China saw consistent snowfall during the early 17th century. Many historians believe that the extensive periods of cold and drought caused crop failures. Farmers rebelled. The Manchus in today's northeastern China fought the Ming for food and control. The Ming faced widespread farming and war. Then, in 1633, during Chongzhen's reign, a pandemic broke out. It started in China's northwest and swept Beijing, the Ming capital, and its surrounding regions. It then spread to China's south, but the hardest hit city was Tianjin. At one point, the situation was so bad that some locals believed you could become infected if you stuck your head out the door to look. The pandemic largely decided the outcome of the wars. In 1644, 11 years after the pandemic broke out, Li Zicheng, who served at a post house in China's northwest, led a farmer rebellion that captured Beijing in a single day. But for about 20 years before Li's victory, the Manchu army had attacked the city several times and failed. Historians say that most of the Ming died or fell ill from the pandemic when Li attacked the city. The Emperor Chongzhen dispatched 4,000 eunuchs to defend Beijing, which much more rebels held under siege. 
Some historians say Chong Zhen committed suicide, hanging himself from a tree in a man-made hill opposite the Forbidden City. The hill became a park later, now known as Jingshan Park. The tree that Chong Zhen hung from is still there. However, Li Zicheng's campaign ended quickly. About 20 days after he captured Beijing, he left the city on campaign for control of the Great Wall and then the Northeast. If successful, he would be the new emperor of China. However, Wu Sangui, the main general who defended the wall's gate at Shanghai Guan, refused to surrender to Li. Instead, he surrendered to the Manchu army. The Manchu regime already founded the Qing dynasty at that time. According to legend, Wu opened the gates because one of Li's generals had robbed his father and his beloved lady in Beijing. Li lost the war against the Wu-Qing alliance and retreated to Beijing. However, it took Li's army nine days to get to the Great Wall from Beijing, a journey that normally would have taken only three days. Instead, they did spend only three days for their journey back to Beijing from the Great Wall. Why? And three days after arriving in Beijing, he fled again. Beijing was a much better stronghold for him to defend against the advancing Qing. Why did he just give up? The pandemic had decimated his rebel army. It first took hold on their way to the Great Wall. Beijing was still plagued with the disease when they returned to the city. They had no choice but to leave. To a large extent, the pandemic changed the rule of Beijing and China. But why did the Qing army escape Li Zicheng's fate? They entered Beijing city in summer when the pandemic had already retreated. By the time the Emperor Shun Zhi entered the Forbidden City in September, the pandemic had disappeared. But the Manchu were hit with another contagious disease, smallpox. In May 2020, the United Nations and the World Health Organization issued stamps to commemorate the 40th anniversary of smallpox eradication. The disease had plagued humanity for at least 3,000 years killing 300 million people in the 20th century alone, the WHO said in its statement. The Manchus lived in sparse population centers in the Northeast and were not exposed to smallpox before crossing the Great Wall. Many of the imperial family eventually fell victim to the disease. Emperor Shun Zhi died at the age of 24. At the time, Rumors circulated that he did not die, but left to become a monk after the death of a beloved concubine. However, historians say he died from smallpox. Shun Zhi assumed the throne at six years old, and for years, he and his mother faced serious threats that his powerful uncles would usurp the throne. So Shun Zhi planned to appoint one of his adult cousins as his heir. But his mother, Empress Dangar Xiaozhuang, 
wanted her to be one of her grandchildren. Xiao Zhuang invited a European missionary to persuade Shun Zhi to change his mind. Johann Adam Xiao Van Bell was born in 1591 in Cologne, Germany, then part of the Holy Roman Empire. He left Cologne when he was 15 because schools had closed during the plague. He studied in Rome, where he attended lectures by Galileo. He sailed from Lisbon to China at 27 as a Jesuit missionary. He took with him Western scientific equipment, including a telescope. He arrived in Beijing from Macau in 1623. He took a Chinese name, Tang Ruo Wang. He became a Ming official for his knowledge of canons, astronomy, and other Western technologies. After the Qing took power, some missionaries worked at an imperial observatory. Van Bell was head of the observatory, which also served as an imperial academy of science. Culturally nomadic, the early Manchu rulers did not value agriculture like their Han predecessors. The same went for astronomy, which mainly served the farming. But they were impressed by the missionaries' accurate predictions of phenomena like solar and lunar eclipses and astronomical calendars. Johann, the most distinguished among them, understood ballistics calendars, telescopes, and medicine. Empress Dianger Xiaozhuang admired him. Emperor Shunzhi called him Mafa, or grandfather in the Manchu language. He was not only a senior official, but advisor to the young emperor. His advice on the succession to the throne was simple. A healthy successor was key for a new dynasty to stabilize and pass down power through the family from generation to generation. Emperor Shunzhi had the best candidate, Xuan Ye, the only son among six, who survived and developed immunity from smallpox. The eight-year-old boy was crowned right after his father died. Four years later, Van Bell and his European and Chinese colleagues at the observatory were sentenced to death for alleged erroneous calendars. The real reason, however, was the rapid growth of the Catholic Church in China. Van Bell and his European colleagues ultimately escaped death in the wake of an earthquake that struck Beijing and Empress Dianger Xiaozhuang's protection but several of his Chinese colleagues were executed. Asian Chinese rulers believed that an earthquake was an omen, a warning from the heavens against the wrongdoings of rulers. Van Bell died from illness the next year and was officially exonerated three years later. Xuan Ye, known as Emperor Kangxi, ruled China for 61 years. He is recognized as one of the greatest emperors in China's dynastic history, ushering in a prosperity 
that lasted nearly 150 years. This is the end of our podcast this week. Thanks to our writer Song Yimin, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor JT. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.